culture and all things shades. I'm Jonathan Hayes, getting to do this introduction that I don't normally get to do, but I'm in the booth with my good friend John Mark Durow, and I wanted to do the introduction because I wanted to say that we have back with us in the studio the one and only Bradford Brown. Brad, you're looking rather tan. Yes, I am. <laughs> Is there a reason for that? There is. I've been laying out in my front yard, oh so my. if you drive by, you'll you'll see me out there in a lawn chair. No. It's pretty normal. Brad has returned. Did you tell everybody where you were last week? Everybody missed you dearly. Well, thank you for that. What a, what a kind uh, greeting as I've returned to the studio, which is yet to be named. But <laughs> we, uh, have, we have some updates We're going to get to that. We're getting there. But it was great. Uh, the weather was... Great. We thought it was going to rain. It, it barely rained the entire week. I think we got more rain here than you got at the beach. Well, thank God for that. <laughs> because I I hate going to the beach when it rains all week. But it was, Some people are okay with that. You know, stay inside, watch TV, but not the Browns. We, so, got, we got things to do. So You're we, out from sun up to sundown. That's right. At the pool, at the beach. And then some. Do you like, yep. do you like take a cooler with you down oh, to the yeah. beach so you don't even have to leave yep. it for lunch? Well, we did come up, son, because it gets kind of hot, you know, and I don't want a ham sandwich for lunch. I'm on vacation. You know, I want to cook something. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we would come up some, but we, we're outdoors a lot. You know, dinner, we're eating outside, ride bikes everywhere. So it, it was great. It was great. GM, I wonder if this is different for, for y'all, because when he says, I don't want a ham sandwich, I want to cook something on vacation, I'm like... Having kids, oh, I'm the yeah, exact right. opposite. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to cook anything. I'm like, whatever the quickest thing that we can get is, <laughs> is fine with me. If we all eat peanut butter jellies for lunch today, that is the best situation for me. There we go. That's yeah. not going to happen when I have kids. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> was uh, was Oxford with you on this trip? Oxford was not. He stayed here. Oh, it was your first time away. It was, yeah, you know, it's, it's hard. <laughs> is that tough for you so, guys? It was hard. But we were able to have some conversations through FaceTime. Oh, my word. Able to see him. Oh, his, good. His aunt kept good. him. Oh, Aunts great. Aunt actually uh, kept him for the week. Wow. So he's spoiled rotten, though. You know, when you when you leave him with a family the next week. Oh, yeah. They, they've been rotten. feeding him candy and yep, treats. All that stuff. So <gasps> He's been watching TV nonstop. Watched yeah. all the Homeward Bounds. It, yeah. Turner and Hooch. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, well. We are we are glad to have you back, but we have actually got to get started because we have a lot to do a lot today. To do. Yeah, we we're have, wasting time. We have a lot of business to cover, <laughs> and, and actually, before we get to the conversation we're planning to have today, uh, we got some housekeeping things that are in order, JM. Yeah, we got some yeah. housekeeping items to get to everybody. We got some announcements, so... First of a few announcements, we've got a worship night in the parking lot scheduled for Friday, September 11th. We're all really excited about that. What time does that start? It's going to begin at 6.30. We're encouraging everyone to show up early, bring dinner, bring a lawn chair, a blanket. We're going to park on one side of the parking lot, uh, the side that would face uh, GM Pizzeria, and we're going to have the band set up underneath the covered awning drive uh, I guess facing the other direction, and that's where you can hang out in that parking lot. Everyone can uh, safely social distance and worship together. But yeah, bring dinner, uh, bring the kids. We're trying to get it later in the day so that it's hopefully cooled down a little bit. So starting at six thirty gives us a little bit of that time. And I don't think the sun, the sun doesn't shine on that the, side of the lot. The, the building, that, 
Yeah, the building should be blocking right. most of the sun by Giving that us point. Some shade, time. hopefully. Yeah, so uh, show up at six o'clock. Grab either bring dinner with you or grab it from your favorite takeout place. And um, and our hope with this is we're trying to create. This is one of the ways, but we're trying to create some ways this fall for our body to be able to connect with one another because we realize that there are still many people who cannot participate on Sunday morning. So by virtue of this being outside, so we're not in an enclosed space um, and everybody can participate, you know, up to their comfort level. Like you can sit as far apart as you want. If, if you want to come and park your car at the edge and stay in your car, you, you can do that. But hopefully at least we can see one another wave, maybe even talk safely at a distance. Um, and then get to worship together some. That worship portion will start at 6.30. So anyway, but there's going to be many more things to come. But yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah, we have an exciting fall. Uh, we have released a new SVCC t-shirt and sticker designed by our very own Andrew Thompson. Wow. Shout out to Andrew. He's a uh, frequent guest on the show. <laughs> um, and and the thing with that, um, if you want one, just email office at shadesvalley.org uh, to pre-order uh, a t-shirt yeah we're selling uh, adult and youth sizes if you order a shirt you get a sticker for free yeah if you just want a sticker they're a dollar a piece t-shirts um, are 15 dollars. oh yeah thank you and the t-shirt is a picture of the three of us right you, of did course you describe it okay yeah, absolutely yeah <laughs> the t-shirt is actually a, it has a phrase out of our benediction uh hold on to what is good and one i mean that uh, we hope that the, the t-shirts and the stickers we realize this is kind of a silly way but we do hope it's a way that we can somewhat feel like we're still being connected to one another in community and and hold on to what is good i think is particularly particularly uh poignant for us um in this particular season so we're not just selling t-shirts and stickers just for the heck of it but we actually hope that It'll be means of encouragement and connection during this time. Yeah, 100%. Please email your quantity and sizes to office at shadesvalley.org. How much longer are we going to be uh, taking pre-orders? Um, I, I honestly don't know. Um, okay. I, I Indefinitely. Think... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hurry. <laughs> but get on it right now. Honestly, uh, pre-order, like we will probably place an order at the beginning of next week, like next Monday. Okay. Um, and we'll order some extras, but like if you want to guarantee that you're going to get a shirt in that first batch of being ordered, definitely pre-order sometime this yeah, week. Yeah, I've been and told. You're going to want one. I've been told these t-shirts are going to be very comfortable, and if they're not, email Andrew Thompson. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we'll get his email later. Okay, one other announcement. Shades Midweek, this podcast that you're listening to right now, is now available on Spotify, Amazon Music, and Audible. Okay, so wow. we have upped the game. We were only available on Apple Podcasts and Podbean. The Spotify account went live a few weeks ago. Uh, it's just taken us a minute to announce it. Uh, so you can find us all there. Just search for Shades Midweek. Make sure to hit the subscribe button. Um, you can find, obviously, Shades Valley Community Church on all the socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. We're not on TikTok. Sorry, Brad. <laughs> uh, well, not, we're not yet on TikTok. For everybody that's listening to this right now, you're probably listening via Apple Podcasts. So uh, tell all of your friends who have complained that we're not on Spotify, that we are yeah. now. And Amazon yeah. Music. The thing is, most people have Amazon Prime now, which automatically gets you a subscription to Amazon Music. So you can find us there. And Audible is another uh, listening service as well that you can find us on. Thank you, JM, for putting all of that. Pretty that big hard stuff. Work. Yeah. Big yeah. stuff. All right. Yeah. yeah. Worldwide. Okay. So, speaking of Shades Midweek, there was a charge that I sent out last week. You were gone. I was Brad. gone. Brad. 
uh, a signal from the Bat Cave, if you will, I sent out, and it was to come up with a name for the studio that we record this podcast in, these four walls that we sit in right now, giving it a proper name uh, for us and for everyone to enjoy, and just to, just to call it home, really. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. make it home. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I'm assuming that since <laughs> you issued that call, you, you did some hard work and yeah. have several suggestions for yeah. us. Yeah. So it's all my fault. How many suggestions do you have? We asked... Well, let me just start with this. We asked for your input, yeah. and there was an overwhelming response. No one emailed us. <laughs> it really makes you feel good, doesn't it? It does. Real warm down inside. Although someone did say something to me about it, so I do okay. know that people listened. Yes. Oh, I mean, yes. they didn't have any input. They just said, hey, I heard you say that. Hey, so. it's, not an e- it's not an easy thing to do. So, right. Well, I, I, have, uh, I have three names that I came up with about 30 seconds ago. Fantastic. Um, because you reminded me that we, we were responsible to do this. Brad's got to make up three names on the spot on to the throw spot in the pot. Right now. Jam, you've got at least, do you have three? I've got six. Oh, my word. <laughs> wow. Um, but, but what we can do is uh, we'll narrow it down to some top choices. And did we, did we decide we're going to narrow it down and do the Instagram poll thing? Yeah, so my thought was let's do an Instagram poll. We can do a survey, but, you know, it's not really like a democracy. So it's more just to see what people <laughs> like. We're still going to decide. I mean, it is our studio, not theirs. <laughs> <laughs> So, in other words, right. there's going to be a poll that we right. really want you to participate in, but it means nothing. It means nothing. It's just to make you feel involved. This fits really well into our political conversation. Yeah, yeah it kind of does. Yes. So, okay. Well, I'm just kidding. Why don't we, uh, Jam? Why don't you just go in and throw out three, and okay. then we can go around the circle. Okay. Well, here's the deal. I've got six, and the first three are kind of throwaways because I feel like what I've learned from being a songwriter is that you have to throw your bad ideas out there first to try to dig deeper and get to those good ideas. You got to get those out of the way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Get okay. them out of the way. So the bad ones are Shades Studio. Uh, that was one of mine. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. That was me, one of my better ones. <laughs> me and Brad are on the same wavelength here. SVCC Studio. Which doesn't really roll off the tongue that well. It's going to be yeah. hard to say. Yeah. yeah. It's no good. Oxmoor Studio, a little better because we're on Oxmoor Road, but still like not great. Not good at all, mm. really. Oxmoor Studio. I, yeah, it's I, just I like not, it. It's not good. I like the fact that studio is the second word in all of yours <laughs> because studio is the first word in all of mine. Okay. I've got three more. All right. Well, let's go one at a okay. time. Okay. All right. So, go. no, go ahead. You can throw oh. your fourth and, yeah. oh, okay. and we'll go around. Okay. Uh, and this one, once again, is not that great, but I'm trying to think. So maybe this is a creative session we're having right now. Four streams. Oh. Would you add studio with like four that's streams a, that's studio? That's a shades deep cut. You could say four streams studio, but then when we're talking about it, we could be like, yeah, you know, in four streams. We're recording over at four streams today. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, could, I'm, not, could, I'm not sold on it yet. You could go studio four. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a was that a thing already? I Maybe don't know. it was. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, I'll throw out my lamest one because okay. it's studio with a number, and it was Studio One Hundred and Sixty. Uh, yeah, because, I thought about that because we're One Hundred and Sixty Oxmoor Road, so right. that was that was my lame idea. Oh. Brad, what's the first lame idea you have? <laughs> the first lame idea that I had that was, sounded way harsher than I meant it. Was uh, Gabby Road Studio? Okay, all right. I don't. <laughs> I don't know what you're referencing, but. Maybe it's just I don't know like, where you get Gabby maybe it's a fun, road from. fun kind of pun way to start out every episode. <laughs> I think he's saying that we gab a lot. 
Just if we wanted everyone to hate us, I thought that would be a good option. Well, we're making them listen to this conversation right now, so <laughs> they've probably already fast forwarded. They're like, it's like lamest, the ads on the podcast. Ever. Okay, my last two are kind of the same, so I'm just going to say them right now because okay. it's they are really just flipped a word. So I was thinking 1991 Studios because Shays Valley Community Church started in 1991, uh-huh, uh-huh. or Studio 1991. Got it. And you could even shorten that. And like I said, you could just be like, yeah, we're going over to 1991 today to record. Or, or you could just do 91. You could do like. Yeah, you could do Studio 91, 91 Studios. Studio 91. 91 Studios. Yeah. yeah. Studio 91. So we've got what we have right now <laughs> is a number in combination with the word studio. Hey, my other idea with 90, 1991 was if we ever created a design for it, we could do like the Roman numerals. Ah, I like it. Maybe do something. Andrew, um, we'll talk to Andrew. I, I'm not. We should um, actually probably just, Andrew should just run all decision. this by Andrew. <laughs> no. I'm not, uh, listen, I'm, I'm not about to take this in an amazing direction at all because the last two names I have are just the word studio in combination with a letter. So I had Studio B. Um, just basically insinuating we're not good enough to be Studio A. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we're Studio B. Um, and then I had Studio V uh, because the SV is the initials of Shades Valley. So oh, Studio wow. V. Um, okay. It's like an Inception. Yeah. It's layered. So that's what I got. Wow. What you got, Brad? What, what do you have left? I, don't, I really don't have anything else. Gabby Valley Road is all no, you have. terrible. <laughs> Valley stu- Studio Valley? Valley Studio? Valley Studios. All right. Well, we're going to write these out on a piece of paper, and we're going to narrow it down to like our personal top five, and then you will see those in an Instagram post. And here's the deal. Next week, it's going to happen. It's in concrete. There, there will week, be a name. So, Probably you know. none of these that we've mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, we could think of something better between now and then. We yeah. reserve the right to do that. And I'm going to text Andrew after this episode's over. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's all of our housekeeping. Things. That's all. It's good. So, Thanks for that work, John Mark. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Well, so what, what we're going to move into today for the rest of our time is um, a conversation that really was birthed out of another conversation that happened last week with our worship planning team. So there's a group of us that get together to plan worship services uh, on a weekly basis. And one of the things we do as a part of that meeting is usually we we pick a book to read and we kind of discuss our way through that book as a part of our just um, camaraderie and learning uh, together as a team. A lot of times it has to do with worship or certain aspects of worship or theology. But this year, since it is an election year, and I don't know if anyone has noticed that uh, our country is just a little bit uh, politically polarized. A little bit. We uh, we decided to pick a book about Christian engagement uh, with politics. Uh, and politics is always an interesting conversation at SVCC because one of the things that makes Shades unique, at least in my experience of churches, that is that Shades is pretty politically diverse. Um, there's That's people, true. there's people kind of all over the spectrum, and and people kind of end up voting both in local and national elections. People end up voting for different candidates, and and so political conversations. Uh, are not typically monolithic here, is what I'm saying. And so we, we wanted something, you know, um, w- w- with politics becoming more and more polarized, it feels like, that has the potential to be more and more divisive amongst our politically diverse body. Totally. And so we wanted to read something that might help us think through, okay, how can we continue to engage 
uh, in what's going on in our country politically? How can we continue to have these conversations as Christians, but to do so in a way that fosters unity and not division? So that uh, led us to uh, an organization that is called the, the organization's called the AND Campaign, right? Right. Yes. Yeah, like an AND sign, like an ampersand, uh, the AND Campaign. And, uh, and they've published a book recently, and the book is entitled Compassion and Conviction. What's the subtitle on it? Does it have one? The AND Campaign's Guide to Faithful Civic Engagement. Yeah. So um, this is not a big advertisement and huge endorsement for like the AND Campaign. I, I think that all of us would say that in any of our political discussions, we have personal convictions and caveats that differ from other people and such. And so... There may be things that each of us agree with with this organization or would disagree with with this organization, but I think the thing that we're all in agreement on is that they have been a helpful conversation partner for us. Mm -hmm. Um, Their work has helped us to think through our own uh, convictions and the way that we should engage uh, with politics as Christians. And so uh, last week, we, in our worship planning meeting, had a conversation about chapter one. And chapter one's just entitled Christians and Politics. And I found our conversation personally helpful to the point that I was like, man, we should we should bring more people into this. And, and I just kind of threw it out. Like, what if we did this as a podcast episode? So that's that's what we're going to do for the rest of our time. We are going to march <laughs> uh, straight on into the minefield <laughs> that what, is... You know, what could go wrong? That is political... <laughs> engagement uh, uh christian and faith political uh, uh christians engaging with politics um yeah and so yeah what could go wrong so i think that you know we should start it out in a very non-controversial way and everybody just go on and say you know what political party you're a member of yeah. all right i got so, the list of who i voted for so yeah, i'm yeah. just gonna go down who'd, and read you, it. who'd you vote for in 2016 read it straight down the list who all you right vote for now yeah, I think that's just how we get started. No, we should all right now just tell everybody who they should vote for. Yes, I think that would go over well. <laughs> I think people that would normally be fine. respond well when pastors do yeah. that. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. No, for for certain, we want to be clear here at the beginning that that is not our goal at all. Our goal is not to tell you what political party you should or should not be a part of, what candidate you should or should not vote for. Our goal is to think about how can Christians faithfully engage with the opportunity that we have to engage in politics in our country. That's not something that Christians around the world or Christians throughout history have had the opportunity to do. Uh, you don't get much written about that kind of thing in Scripture because the uh, the New Testament church wasn't exactly living in a democracy. Um, <laughs> so they didn't really talk much about what it looks like to be engaged in the political process. doesn't mean they didn't have things to say about politics, but mm-hmm. but it just comes from a very different situation than we yeah. find ourselves in. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, so our goal is to, is to talk about how can we be biblically faithful Christians and yet uh, navigate being involved uh, in, in the political process here. Uh, a political process that uh, really has become a two-party system that kind of presents you with a constant scenario of, uh, of either, or, either or choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how, how can we be biblically faithful in that environment? So that's what we want to talk about. Yeah. Do you want me to get us started? <laughs> yeah, get us started. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 
So um, at the beginning of the chapter, one of the things the authors are talking about are just the various reasons that Christians should be involved politically, because I think that sometimes we can become just so weary of the polarized situation we find ourselves in. We can just be like, it's just easier to not be involved in this. It's easier yeah. to just kind of boycott involvement, ignore it, whatever. My priorities mm-hmm. lie elsewhere, and, and I'll just sidestep all of this. Yes. So I will begin with confessing that that has been my default position. <laughs> mm. My default position tends to be cynicism and a cynicism that leads to apathy. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's something that's so easy. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of reasons to be cynical. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, that list is very, very long. And yes. I, th- I think something that you will hear from each of us as we go through this conversation is our confessions of, of our own struggles with mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. being involved politically or, or faithfully politically or what have not. Um, but one of the things, when they started giving reasons that Christians should engage in the political process, one of the things that struck me that, uh, I'll confess, had not been a major contributing factor to the way I thought about Christian engagement in politics uh, was, was this. They talk about engaging politically as an act of love for neighbor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that most of us, myself included, when we think about our engagement in politics, it's more like, okay, what do I want to vote for? Who do I want to vote for because of what they are going to do for me or the policies they're going to do that support or promote that, that support my priorities, things of that nature versus Mm -hmm. seeing the political process as a chance to go, how can I pursue uh, the implementation of laws and policies uh, in a way that loves those around me best in uh, in our country, in my uh, community. And so just, just seeing it as an opportunity, like for instance, maybe there's an issue uh, on the table, a policy on the table that doesn't affect me at all. You know, so why would I even care about it or whatever? But it, it affects a significant portion of people within my community. So actually caring about that issue, thinking about it, and thinking what is the best way I could exercise my voice uh, politically to to love my, my neighbor in this way. It was just a different way of coming at it. I don't know if you guys had something there you were thinking about. I've got one other thing. Yeah, totally. You know I love quotes, so I'm definitely <laughs> going to read some <laughs> quotes from this chapter. Shocking. But one that Uh, backs up what you said that I really resonated with. It says this in the chapter. What are you willing to do for the people you love? If a family member was being mistreated, in addition to your prayers, would you also use your time and resources to stop them from being hurt? Or if they were unjustly imprisoned, would you advocate for them? If a teacher was treating your child unfairly, would you address the issue? Of course you would. We rightly expect that kind of urgent action from the people who say they care about us. When Jesus is asked, who is my neighbor, by a lawyer who's trying to narrow this love imperative, Jesus responds with the Good Samaritan parable. Through that illustration, we learn that our neighbors aren't just allies or people in our community. Anyone can be our neighbor. Loving our neighbors, I thought this was good, is not the same as simply not hating them. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the biblical sense, love is not a lack of hate. 
or of anything else, love has a form and content as described in scripture and compels us to act. Mm. So I thought that was a powerful word uh, in our day where so much of our political conversation can happen over social media, where we kind of have these disembodied conversations where we argue with one another and we tear one another down and we attack one another. And none of that seems to be for the common good. It seems more like a place to rant Mm. or a place to uh, have your arguments heard, but it doesn't seem to be coming out of a place of love for our neighbor Mm. or seeking their common good or genuinely engaging in a dialogue for the common good. Right. Yeah. One one of the things that this discussion um, specifically convicted me of um, was it kind of flipped on its head for me um, my, uh, my political priorities in the sense of national versus local politics. What I mean by that is I think that, you know, I think I pay... Uh, have paid way more attention to national politics. You know, um, I know a lot more about uh, presidential candidates and you know what's going on nationally and all of that. And of course, I'm going to get out and vote in a national election. Uh, versus like the more local things get. So we could talk about the state level, uh, but then we could get even more local with that with mm-hmm. the city that I live in. Like, I mean, do I even know what's going on in my city? Uh, uh, Politically, do I know who mm. my city councilors are? Do I know what their policies are? Do I know what policies are being advocated for? Any of those kinds of things. Yeah. And, and the reason this kind of, it flipped it on its head for me, not saying that the national conversation is not important. Clearly it is. But when I think about my neighbors in proximity to me, those within the community that I live in are the closest um, that are going to be affected most by my local politics and, mm-hmm. and all of that. And, and my voice, actually, and my vote even carries more weight. It's more significant on that local level. And so I was convicted with I need to do more research into what's going on locally and um, because that's the place where I can start um, and should be the place, I think, where I start. Not that I shouldn't be involved nationally, but that's the place where I start with exercising love towards my neighbors uh, through political engagement, and then it moves out from there. So that was part of this conversation. Like, political engagement as an act of love for neighbor convicted me. I'm like, man, I I do not pay attention to what's going on to policies that are affecting my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I resonate with everything you're saying right now, and I've had probably the last year or so, I've definitely tried to challenge myself to pay more attention on a local level to what's going on. You know, we moved to the city of Hoover um, back in uh, January. And so we just, you know, everyone uh, recently just had local city elections. uh, I guess that was last week. And so I sat down one morning and I was like, you know, I'm going to read the local Hoover newspaper and read through the mayoral race. The, the Hoover Sun. <laughs> the Hoover Sun. Yeah. I'm going to read through the mayoral race, what the what you know, what the candidates are doing, what their platforms are, uh, all the city council people running, what are their platforms, and make 
read read what it is because with city council it's really interesting too one thing i like about that is that no one identifies necessarily as republican or democrat it's really just based off of what plat platform they're running and what things they want to do for the local community Mm -hmm. and so um you don't kind of get mixed up with like a party which is which is kind of nice and just to be able to engage uh civically in that way i think is important i mean they say that in the book um refusing to engage civically is failing to steward the things God has placed in our sphere of influence. How can we be salt and light if we have no contact with, with society, especially in an arena with such a significant and broad impact on society? And so I think for us, like obviously we always focus, I think, on the national politics within our country because they're in front of us all the time mm. and the news, that's kind of, that's what they're talking about. Uh, but I think in order to effectively make change, you really have to go at that local level, I think is kind of one of the most important places to start. So, yeah, yeah, that was huge for me. Just seeing that as the, not the ending point, but the starting point and, and versus seeing the national conversation as my starting point. And if I have time, I'll get to, to local things. So that was, Mm. that was big for me. I think it's interesting, too, how involvement in the local level, actually getting in the dirt and getting involved, can then shape how you view national conversations. Yeah. So one example that stands out to me is when I was in seminary, I went on a uh, mission trip to Boston to work with a church plant. And this church plant was in an area of Boston where there were a lot of illegal immigrants. And this church, their mission was to reach this community. And so you have this church plant that has a lot of illegal immigrants that are members at this church. Mm-hmm. And I had the opportunity to sit with a pastor and to talk about this with him and to talk about how he was pastoring and how he was dealing with some of these issues. And it was just striking to me to see how his involvement with these people and his love for these people um, shaped his views and maybe had him enter the conversation in a different way than if you just go online and read a blog or turn on the, the TV. So that stood out to me. Mm. Oh, for sure. And I think um, th- this is going to lead us naturally into kind of the next portion of the, the book I, I was thinking of us discussing. Um, I think as we begin to talk about being politically involved uh, as Christians, whether you know we're talking national, local level, what have not. I think one of the questions that immediately kind of begins to rise to the surface for a lot of people is, why should we make that a priority? That's not our job, like as the church. Our job is to preach the gospel. Jonathan, aren't you on and on all the time about preaching the gospel, making disciples? So what in the world does being involved politically have to do with that at all. And, Mm -hmm. and this, I mean, this has been a conversation historically in the church. I mean, it is, is commonly been a, uh, a point of debate amongst Christians of what is the relationship between gospel proclamation and political action, or what is the relationship between gospel proclamation and sometimes will be termed uh, a position as like gospel proclamation versus social justice versus pursuing issues of justice and, and loving people within society. You know, shouldn't our priority be proclaiming the gospel? And and one of the things that I really appreciated um, 
And, well, let me back up. And and that's kind of presenting things right there in an either-or scenario, right? For right. sure. J- just like mm-hmm. our, our, our culture tends to do with most things. It's like, well, either our priority is preaching the gospel or it is, uh, you know, uh, social action. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, these guys with the and campaign, you know, are approaching most things with a, a both-and type of attitude. And they do that with regards to this issue in a way that I think makes these things rightly relate to one another. So uh, what they say, let me just, Brad's not the only one that can read quotes. (laughs) My, my, my. I'll, uh, I'll read. Come in. The water's fine. Jonathan can read too. (laughs) So, so here we go. Uh, We had our doubts as Christians. Our primary objective is to profess the gospel of Jesus Christ to all nations. No other task should be allowed to interfere to interfere with or obscure that purpose. If the Great Commission becomes secondary, or if Christianity is understood primarily as a means of accomplishing social or political goals, then we have handed to Caesar what belongs to God. These are these this organization. <laughs> like, yeah. like right. this organization that's writing to convince you. As a Christian, to be involved politically, and that that is that is something that you would be neglecting some uh, a responsibility, a privilege that God has given you, a sphere of influence. If you didn't, like they're saying this, right? Let me read just the rest of this quote right here. Uh, Do not interpret this book's focus on the political space as a suggestion that professing the gospel should be subordinated to political activity. While God has given us the power to bring about change and help those around us in real ways, our world will continue to be a place of sin and suffering until Jesus returns. This truth is important to keep in mind as we discuss our interactions with society. It provides us with perspective, helping us to remember the ultimate things rather than being consumed by the temporal matters of this world. Our civic participation will not glorify God if it's placed above worship, evangelism, or Christian discipleship. Mm. So I just I, I really appreciated them keeping first things first. And here's here's the language like that I would put this in to try and describe the relationship between gospel proclamation and political action. I would label gospel proclamation as our mission. The mission of the church is to make disciples. We proclaim the gospel. We're to make disciples of Jesus Christ. That is our mission. Our mission is not uh, to be involved politically or to bring about political change or to, uh, like, that's not our mission. However, I believe all of that falls under the biblical label of mercy. Mercy ministry is loving your neighbor, is Mm. uh, doing what the Good Samaritan does, is pursuing Mm. justice for the oppressed, is pursuing the good of those who are marginalized in society. And and one of the main ways we have the opportunity to do that in our country is through political involvement, political engagement. So I think that in the Bible, mission and mercy are married. Mm. That is, I, I, to use an old school word that really doesn't get thrown around much anymore. It used to be a really hot word. I, that's what I would, that's how I would define missional. To live missionally is for mission and mercy to be married. And God has joined these things together. And what God has joined together, let no man separate. In other words, everywhere you see the mission going forth, Jesus proclaiming the gospel, the church proclaiming the gospel, mercy ministry is right there. Jesus is healing. Jesus is loving. He's going to the outcast. He is uh, restoring. He's min- same thing with the church. They're loving the outcast. They're ministering to orphans and widows. They're like these things are married. Mm-hmm. Gospel proclamation and uh, 
gospel love demonstration. So that's mm-hmm. how I think that proclamation and political activity relate to one another. Yes, proclaiming the gospel is our first priority. I believe that you can't have proper political engagement as a Christian without the gospel coming first because I believe our political engagement flows from gospel proclamation. It's the fact that Jesus has saved me and changed me that now makes me engage politically in a way for love of neighbor, right? Mm -hmm. The first and greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and strength. Mm -hmm. But the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. So I I really appreciated that emphasis coming from them, and I think it's just really important in our conversation as Christians because I think we can put ourselves into an either-or camp where we're either Mm -hmm. in the camp of church should just be about gospel proclamation, forget whatever political and social action, you know, or we can be in the camp of political and social action is all that matters and we lose proclaiming the gospel and making disciples along the way. And I'm like, no, that, that, that's not the biblical picture. Mm. Um, Those were some thoughts. Sorry. I'm like going into sermon mode. (laughs) It's great. Don't apologize, Jonathan. Uh, As you were talking, uh, a quote that Russell Moore who's with the uh, ERLC, and uh, the ERLC is the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission at the SBC. It's another organization within the SBC that aims to think politically and culturally and exists in the political arena. And one of the things that Russell Moore said that stood out to me is he talks about Romans 13 and governing authorities having a responsibility to God. And he points out that, well, in our governing system, the final authority is the people. So in this sense, citizenship is an office. And uh, what happens in the office as we are citizens is kind of a delegating, uh, a delegation of sorts. Um, And so therefore uh, we're all called and by God to act responsibly and to act in love and to act for the good of our neighbor. It's a responsibility that we've been given for the common good and we're held accountable in some sense for injustice and we're held accountable for how the poor are treated. And so that was striking to me because I hadn't, thought about it in those terms as we're thinking about gospel proclamation and also social social involvement so yeah no i think i think that's helpful and and this might be a, a good moment to point out too that uh, it is possible to as christians disagree on particular policies or the way that things should be, uh, particular issues should be handled, and and all those different things. No, it's not, Jonathan. <laughs> That's not what I hear. <laughs> but, but what we're talking about is prioritizing um, uh, faithfulness to the gospel, prioritizing mm-hmm. love of neighbor and love of one another, and and that changes the way completely that we interact with each other, even when we disagree. Right. So, like, for instance, to, to bring up the uh, controversial issue that you mentioned earlier, so, like, immigration. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I, I think that Christians can have varying opinions on what immigration reform or policies look like. Uh, we can disagree about how how many people should be allowed into the country per year? Uh, should it be just completely open borders, completely shut borders? Should it be blah, blah, blah? Like, like you'll have people, and I mentioned those extremes, um, because you have people all over the perspective with what immigration policy should look like, what should be consequences of being undocumented, blah, 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 mm-hmm. all of that. But as we discuss our differences in those policies, we should come from a place of love for one another mm-hmm. not a place for anger we should come as a place out of a place of love for uh the hurting um uh, out of a love for the the immigrant out of love for we should come out of a place of, of christian conviction so i don't know yes. if that that's just something that i was thinking about as you were were bringing that up oh one last thing too that i was going to mention before we uh move on to kind of our last uh, portion of this conversation was Brad. You mentioned the Ethics and Religious Liberty Council, the uh, the ERLC. Um, yes, I, I was just going to say uh, to everybody listening that is another organization that, while again we'd caveat it, we may not necessarily agree with everything they put out or we'd articulate it differently. That's another organization that I think we have found to be a helpful conversation partner for uh, for this conversation. Yes, totally. So, so that's another place that you can look if you're trying to think through these issues and such. Yes, um, and it can probably help you and spur you on in your in your thinking. And both of these organizations have podcasts, blogs. They all have conferences where there are speakers. So, there's a lot of room for discussion, for dialogue, for disagreement. And I think that's what attracts us to these yeah, organizations for sure. Um, and and we should mention that there are people within these organizations who disagree with one another, yes, uh, mm-hmm. politically. Or I, I mean, I know like with even uh, the end campaign, like they have people within the organization who are on both sides of the political aisle, if you will. Yes. So um, so yeah. Anyway, uh, kind of coming off of what we were just talking about, the relationship between gospel proclamation and political action. One of the ways I think they relate. Uh, comes to the fore in this last thing I wanted to talk about, and that is uh, losing politically for the sake of witness. Mm. This is one of the ways that gospel proclamation actually ends up getting prioritized, you know, as the first thing uh, before uh, political commitment. In other words, when I say losing for the sake of witness. I think that our first priority when we talk about casting a ballot, when we talk about being involved politically, our first priority should be how does this testify to the gospel, to my commitment to Jesus, to him being who I see as the ultimate savior and Lord over all. In other words, I think it's completely possible for us to endorse policies, to endorse candidates, to endorse any of these things that actually ends up harming and tarnishing our witness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it makes the world question, how could we be people of integrity and stand for these things or agree with these things or what have not? Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to be clear, I am not at this moment talking about any specific party or any specific candidate. Don't read into what I'm saying. 
I'm talking in very general terms that our priority should be our witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sometimes that means we might lose politically. In Mm. other words, Mm. I might have a party that I want to win, or I might have a candidate that I want to win, Mm. but for the sake of witness, I find myself in a situation where I can't vote for that person, that policy, that party, that whatever, um, and might say I, I've got to, like losing right here for the sake of witness actually testifies more to what I believe about the power of the gospel than, and that that's where my faith ultimately lies rather than my faith being in the power of politics. Mm. Um, you know, So, yeah, we witness with how we vote. And we can lose our witness through how we vote. And I think that, that yeah, we should never sacrifice our, our witness and testimony to the gospel of Jesus Christ for the sake of winning politically. Um, you, you saying that reminded me of a, a story they told in the chapter where they said, we once heard a Christian political activist and donor expressed a despair to a friend about the fact that his candidate lost in a presidential election. He told his friend that the lesson he learned from the loss was that next time we just can't tell the people what we actually want to do. They say, responding to that quote, this is completely wrong. It's better to lose than to sacrifice our virtue for the sake of what is politically expedient to defend leaders' harmful policies, or to condone immorality. It is better to lose that temporal battle if our actions don't glorify God and serve as the salt and the light of the world, then they are good for nothing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really resonate with that. And I think that sometimes maybe Christians can fall into the trap maybe unknowingly of seeing america as jerusalem and what i mean by that is as christians we see american as america as god's kingdom as our ultimate home to be defended at all cost no matter what it takes and i think when we look at the scriptures when we look uh, at a book like revelation uh, a more biblical understanding is that America is Babylon and we are exiles called to worship God and to bear witness to Jesus Christ and his coming kingdom. And that is a kingdom that knows no political party. That is a kingdom that knows no border. And that is a kingdom uh, that knows uh, no end. Mm. And so I think for Christians, that gives us so much hope and so much encouragement to continue the grueling task of pursuing justice and mercy and love with hope. Um, Because um, ultimately, we don't have any promises from God about the future of America. Mm -hmm. But we do have promises from God about the future of his church. Mm. Yeah. And the future of his kingdom. And we know the glorious end to which that is headed, um, that no 
kingdom or no people or no group or anyone will be able to thwart. And that's good news. Brad, I would... uh I would say yes and amen and only correct you on one point. Oh, dang it. <laughs> what did I say? I would correct you on the point that we do have at least one promise from God about the future of America, and it is the promise that he gives about the future of every nation on this planet, and that is that there is a kingdom coming that is unshakable, and all of these kingdoms will fall. Mm, I will take that review. <laughs> 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 and and that's why our hope lies elsewhere, right? Yeah. Um, that's why our hope can't be here. We are citizens of an unshakable kingdom. Um, yeah. I mean, this is a provocative statement, but I remember hearing one pastor saying that he is far more concerned with the witness of the church and the holiness of the people of God than he is... Um, about the future of America, whether that is a communist America or a socialist America. He's not saying he wants those things, but he's saying that he's far more concerned with the witness of the church than he is with the future of the nation. Yeah, I remember that that article and, and his, his point that he, one of the ways he said that uh, was that his goal as a pastor is to help the church be faithful to Christ and to the gospel, no matter what kind of America the church finds itself in, mm. mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and I would wholeheartedly, uh, agree with that. And I think that when, when we understand that our political or when we, when, when our political priorities shift to using, uh, our political influence, uh, and our ability to be involved in the political process, when, when that shifts to that being aimed ultimately at witness and faithfulness to Jesus Christ, it just completely changes um, the goal. Yeah. Because sometimes losing is the way that we witness to faithfulness to right. Jesus Christ. Yes. I, th- I think we're in trouble when we begin to believe that we need to have political power in order to have quote unquote success as the church of Jesus Christ or to order to uh, persevere or to thrive or to have hope. Yes. At that point we have sold our birthright for a bowl of soup. Mm. And what I mean by that is the story of Jacob and Esau, Jacob, the older son had a birthright and he comes in one day and he's hungry and his uh, excuse me, Esau had a birthright, and he comes in one day, and his brother Jacob has made a bowl of soup, and he's hungry, and that's what he needs and he wants right now. Birthright's not doing him any good right now. Mm. That that future promise of whatever it is that's his, it's not worth anything to him in the moment, and so he sells it for a bowl of beans, you know? Uh, and so when we think that the thing that we need right now is political power, that's what we need in the moment, you know, versus being able to testify to the kingdom that's coming. Mm-hmm. And that's what our birthright is, is that kingdom. And we're selling our birthright for a bowl of beans. We're selling that which has true value that we have the opportunity to testify to and bear witness to. We're selling that for something that's ultimately worthless, even though it feels like that's what we need most in the moment. Mm. And what I love is that that speaks to all of us. That speaks to both sides of the aisle. Right. You know, it speaks a prophetic word to everyone. I was going to ask, 
what if someone so so someone is hearing what you're saying Jonathan and but they kind of offer some pushback to you and they say maybe something to the effect of well you know isn't shouldn't be the way that we uh, promote effective change for the kingdom is to actually is to actually win like how do we how do we um, promote like a positive change if we're not winning at the ballot box or we're not winning our candidate that represents these certain values they're not winning like how would you respond to someone's pushback yeah well I mean one I think that we need to come to a definition of what it means to win and what it means to be successful you know, yeah. And I think that the Christian definition of what it means to win and what it means to be successful in this life is upside down from the world's definition. Um, our Savior is one who wins through a cross. Uh, the message of Revelation consistently is that Christ conquered through the cross yeah. and that we conquer in the same way. Yeah. The church uh, is built on the blood of the martyrs. Yes, mm. we, we are a people mm. who lay down our lives uh, for the sake of others. Like we win by losing. I mean, that's, you know, the first shall be last. You, you live by dying. You find your life by losing it. I mean, the kingdom of God is upside down. It's like a mustard seed. It's, it's small. It doesn't look powerful to the world at all. And yet it's what shakes and shapes the world ultimately. And so if we sacrifice that, what I'm saying is that when you sacrifice that and think that no, it is through political power that we actually will shape and shape. You're actually trading the greater thing for the lesser. You're you're trading the thing that you have that will actually have the most long-lasting ultimate effect to grab after something that may feel more powerful in the moment but ultimately is not. I talked about that a little bit um, uh, uh, a few weeks ago in, a, in one of the Revelation sermons about, about the fact that for the seven churches of Asia Minor, I mean, on the surface level, they have no political power. They're weak. They're suffering. They're hurting all of those kinds of things. And what's got to look powerful and world-shaping in their moment is the Roman Empire. And yet the little bit, uh, the only way they can get power in the Roman Empire is through compromise of their faith. You have to be involved in Roman idolatry, Roman immorality in order to get any power at all. Mm. And that is the very thing that Christ through Revelation calls them out of. It's like, let go of it. Even if this means you have no power, even if this means you end up on the underside of society, let go of it. I promise what's going to be more powerful is your faithfulness to Jesus Christ in the long haul. And today, uh, the Roman Empire doesn't exist, uh, and the church marches on. You know, and 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 the church will march on throughout all eternity. But every uh, earthly power, every earthly system of politics, will ultimately one day be a relic of history. Um, and, mm. and so like, I, I just, I feel like we have to keep that perspective. And so when you have that perspective, that's when you see that losing a political battle really could end up being a victory because I'm losing it for the sake of bearing witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's going to have a longer, more eternal shaping effect on, on the world than if I'd won that political battle and gotten a single policy affected for however brief a period of time it will actually be in light of eternity. Mm. And it, that doesn't mean that our political engagement isn't important. It means it's that much more important. Yeah, for sure. Because it can be, it can be used. Even losing politically can be used for the eternal purpose of bearing witness to our true priority 
and the gospel and and the kingdom. I, Jam, I don't know if you'd be comfortable sharing this, but you spoke just a minute ago about your involvement in the local elections. Yeah. Uh, would you be comfortable sharing what you shared with me the other day? Yeah, I was just telling the guys the other day about voting in the Hoover elections, and I was just saying, yeah, you know, I picked out all my candidates was really excited about it, and I I think all of them lost. <laughs> I think there was only one that won. Well, so classic yeah. classic Auburn fan over here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> one out of every yeah. ten. Okay. But but here's what's interesting. Here here's the thing to me though. One uh, like you you chose these candidates based upon your convictions. Yeah. Based sure. upon your convictions of faith and trying to be faithful to the gospel. And I think this has such an opportunity uh, for you to, to to open doors for conversations as you talk with neighbors and you're like, hey, did you vote in the elections? And, yeah. they, and they may have said yes or no, but they might ask you. And you're like, yeah, I mean, almost all of my candidates lost or, <laughs> or what have And it opens up this conversation of, well, why do you vote for who you voted for and mm-hmm. what your priorities are and and that you would do it all again, knowing that they were going to lose. You would do it all again because – these are the people that you felt like you could most align with based upon your convictions as a Christian and your top priority is bearing witness to God. Like it, it opens the door to proclaim the gospel. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, and this may be repeating some of the things that we've said already, but this book has been really encouraging for me to read because I think as we said at the top of this thing, uh, in our political polarized world that we live in right now, it can be very easy to approach politics, especially as a Christian, uh, with apathy and with this sense that, you know, I just don't, I, I, I can't engage with that right now. Um, I just need to put it off to the side and not really think about it or worry it. But if we could actually change our approach to how we engage in politics and, I mean, think about, I feel like think about how life changing it would be if you showed up at the voting booth in November and when you voted, you were actually more concerned about being faithful to God and mm. and how you can love your neighbor through your vote mm. and, and, and approaching it biblically in that way. And, I, and how uh, a shift like that, I think, is so important. And I definitely needed to hear it. And that's why one of the reasons why I wanted to share it with everyone that's listening right now, because I, th- I thought it's had a positive change in my life and try to steer away from, I guess, like a lot of the negative feelings that you can have towards American politics in particular. Yes. And uh, one of the things I think it does is I could take this book and sit down with a Republican and we could read it together and yeah. have conversations. I could take this yeah. book and sit down with a Democrat and read it together and we could have conversations. And I think the book, um, for me, it's begun to open up my imagination. I think there can be so much hopelessness around politics and being involved in politics that it does cause you to uh, have apathy and cynicism. Mm -hmm. But I think the hope of the gospel that they so clearly present forward and the call to love and serve our neighbors that they so clearly present in this book for me gives empowers me and encourages me and also just opens up my imagination to uh, be involved and to say, okay, what could it look like 
for the church to have a public witness in our in our society. And I mean, there are a lot of, as one of my seminary professors would say, there are a lot of dragons, you know, that we have to be careful. There are a lot of pits we can fall into, but we're called to go forward as the church seeking justice and humility and compassion for the world, all while carrying the hope of the gospel. Yeah, and I, I think that that's been the biggest thing for me like in this whole conversation, it's it's a conversation that fills me with hope mm. uh, versus being filled with apathy or despair or whatever when we start talking about the political polarization of our, of our nation. Like this conversation fills me with hope, and it does so for two reasons. One, uh, it fills me with hope because I'm able to see that even if uh, I'm quote-unquote losing politically, I can actually still be winning because I'm bearing faithful witness to Jesus. So I don't despair no matter what's happening. If I'm bearing faithful witness to Jesus, that that's what I'm supposed to be doing. So it gives me hope for how I engage in the biblical process, regardless of what the outcome is. And secondly, it gives me hope for there to actually be unity in the church, not mm-hmm. unity in the sense of we all vote the same way. We all endorse the same policies. We all, whatever, but unity in our priorities mm. that our priority politically uh, like the three of us in this room when when just so everybody knows when we discuss various issues we fall in various places but mm-hmm. but we all share the priority that our number one goal politically is to to honor Jesus and to bear witness to Jesus we're united in that yeah our and 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 our we're, our goal is to love our neighbor and community well we're united in that and that just gives us such a great common ground to have these conversations. Yes. Uh, uh, to, a beginning point to have these conversations. And and so all of that, it just, it fills me with hope. Well, we do thank you for joining us this week. We hope that this conversation has been helpful for you. Maybe that it's filled you with some hope. And I'm sure that we will probably have more conversations around these subjects uh, during this particular year, this election season. So thank you for joining us for another episode of Shades Midweek.